watched the tape two of Colin's message that he preached two weeks ago on the devil. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to kind of pick up where he left off. We're going to talk about that. We're not going to give any glory. Hallelujah. We're going to talk about our authority like Colin did. We're going to talk about how he's under our feet and how to keep him there. How to not give any place to the devil is really, that's the title of my sermon, Give No Place to the Devil. Amen. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. And I wanted to talk about the church and the hour that we live in. And I want to talk to you about uh, what God's wanting to do in the earth and, and the prayers that are going forth. You know, there's never been more prayer, more accurate prayer, more inspired prayer, more uh, effectual prayer, as the Bible calls it, gone forth than there is this day. The church has never known so much as they know now. There's revelation has been poured out. Brother Caps, I believe it is, that says revelation is progressive and that the closer we get to the end of time, the more revelation, the more the light. It's like a, he says it's like a, you know those, uh, what are those called? Those sh window shades that are long and they're vertical. Vertical blinds. Like vertical window blinds, how when you open them, I know I used to have some of these, and they can be closed and you can't get any light in, but as you can open them a little bit and as the end of time comes, they're going to be other the the vertical blinds are being opened more and more and more until full light is coming in full revelation so the church has never had more revelation and so there's never been more accurate and effectual prayer go forth i was thinking today you know i know we pray in this church and we pray for the reign of the holy ghost and the glory to come and i i know i'm i have many people that i'm very confident in their prayers that i know they're praying i know they're putting forth i know i really respect Lynn Hammond and her prayer ministry in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I, I really have faith that she is an effectual prayer and that she's getting it done up there. And uh, Billy Brim is a, a prayer minister and Rachel Tiefetiller, a prayer minister and Jean and um, Philip Halverson's gone on to be with the Lord, but the groundwork that they laid in prayer. And uh, Jeannie Wilkerson, the, the groundwork uh, that she laid in prayer. Uh, and I've just been thinking, Rayma Bible Training Center has prayer five days a week. Prayer school every the day, 1 o'clock, 1 p.m., they have prayer school and the prayers that are going forth. And I really respect Brother Copeland, Eagle Mountain Church, and they have a dynamic prayer ministry there. And I was just thinking about all these people, and, 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 and that's not even, that's just some of the ones I know. And then there's a whole tub. And think about Brother, Brother Pastor Cho in Korea and the dynamic prayer ministry he has going on Prayer Mountain. And so the effectual fervent prayers are going forth from the church is my point. And it's, and it's never been more effectual. It's never been more fervent. And I don't believe we've ever had this many, pray, many people praying this much for the glory to come and the, and the reign of the Holy Ghost to be poured out. And yet it seems, and it's true, that God has held back the glory. And we have not seen it, even in these days, like the many of our old-timers and our uh, spiritual ancestors saw the glory. And uh, I was reminded of in Acts, the book of Acts of Ananias and Sapphira, Hallelujah. And you know how uh, the church was operating in a time, the beginning of the church, when the manifest glory was uh, was there. The manifest glory. And the thing with Ananias and Sapphira, hallelujah, I was glad to hear Brother Mac Hammond say that Ananias and Sapphira are in heaven. Hallelujah. A lot of the church would probably faint at the thought of that. But they didn't go to hell. They were believers. And they went to heaven. But the problem with Ananias and Sapphira was this, is the manifest glory 
glory was in operation in the church and you cannot be in sin and have the manifest glory if you do something will give and it's going to be you it's not going to be God and when the manifest glory is being poured out and the manifest glory is in demonstration uh, and they, they were in sin they were in sin at that time now it's not just that they lied to the Holy Ghost my gosh I know Christians myself that have lied to the Holy Ghost it's not the fact that they lied to, to uh, Peter. I know Christians that have lied to me. And I'm anointed. I'm telling you, it's not that. There's been many Christians lied to the Holy Ghost. They do it every day. I bet some of you have lied to the preacher. Boy, this turned into a Presbyterian church. <laughs> Hallelujah. It was an immediate conversion. No, but I mean, the manifest glory was there, though. And when the manifest glory is present... If sin is there, the sin gets destroyed. It can manifest. That, you can just follow it through the Bible. You can look in the Old Testament when the manifest presence is there and sin comes. Now, God's been withholding His glory because in these recent days, the church has never known more, but there's also probably never been more sin in the church. I'm not talking about the world. We could have, we could have 29 sinners come in here that was living in adultery, doing everything else in the world. <laughs> having three orgies a day. Uh, what can we think of? Taking drugs three times a day, have their needles in their pockets when they come in. Have the marijuana in their pockets when they come in. Have pornography on their body when they come into the church and they're sinners, nothing had happened. God's not expecting any more than that from sinners. But you know, when, and, and the manifest glory could show up and it'd, do not, it'd help them, it wouldn't hurt them. It'd help them, it wouldn't hurt them. But when the manifest glory shows up and there's sin in the body of Christ, and you know, if, the, if God had been showing up in His glory like we've been praying, there'd be about one-fourth of the church left. The rest of them would already be around the throne. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking, I hope that that's not the case here. I'm talking about the worldwide body. If the manifest glory started showing up, about 75% would have to go on to be with God. So God's been being patient with the church. And God, this throughout this year, everything I've turned to that's worth listening to on TV, and the people I respect even that I get tapes from and so forth, and the things that are coming forth from this pulpit, both from Pastor and myself, by unction of the Holy Ghost, Colin this morning, all are talking about getting rid of the, the gray area, as Colin called it this morning, about getting rid of the... Um, lukewarmness in the church about getting rid of the things that are not pleasing to God in our lives. Why? Because God wants to manifest His glory and not only that, He's going to. He's got to answer our prayers and He is going to and so there's things that we've got to be rid of as Christians in our lives. Rid of in our lives as Christians. I don't know if I said that right, but you got the point. There's things that won't be able to be there if God's going to bring forth His glory. Amen? Well, we're not going to talk about sin tonight. Everybody say hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Now, you know, God's, trust, God's working with us individually. Anytime God reprimands a, 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 someone publicly... Maybe corporately, he doesn't call a name. He's already been working with those people at home trying to get them to repent. 
Anytime something comes forth like that from the pulpit, you know that's, his, that's, that's not the first effort God's put forth. That's way down the line. He tries to deal with us by ourselves, not embarrass us. It's not the will of God to embarrass anybody, but it's also not the will of God for you to perish. He's not willing for any of us to perish. So things sometimes will come forth from the pulpit in the form of a warning. It'll sound like a warning. It'll sound very prophetic. Hallelujah. And then if you don't respond to that, I've actually seen the prophet of God and I, won't, I don't want anybody to stay home from church uh, people start staying home sometimes when they get afraid of this but I've actually seen them say, say to get specific with people with people hallelujah well he, all of us are listening to God at home and we wouldn't have that wouldn't have to happen would it but there is some things I want to talk about tonight that could be in our lives that maybe are not as pleasing to God. They're not pleasing to God. I'm not maybe. They're not pleasing to God that we could be unaware of. Amen. And so I want to look at some of those tonight. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27. And I know that I'm going to talk about some things tonight that some of you have even said, Oh, I just don't see the harm in that. I just don't say, I mean, you know, or like we used to say, um, uh, or we, I have said before, I know, uh, well, I'll just go ahead and tell part of my story. Um, well, maybe I won't. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Do I tell this now? Do I? Hallelujah. I'll just wait a minute. Let me read this scripture first. Ephesians 4.27. Hallelujah. <clears throat> it says, neither give place to the devil. Now that's simple. So that could mean, that means that we could be giving place to the devil in our lives. In other words, we could be letting the devil have access that he shouldn't have. We just talked about in prayer school about how we have been given dominion. We have been given authority. How the devil is defeated and he's under our feet and how we enforce that defeat. Amen? Well, uh, we are told here not to give place to the devil. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. Probably on the same page. Hallelujah. And verse 11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. How much fellowship can we have with darkness? None. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 1. Turn back a book. Galatians chapter 1 verse 4. Looking at some scriptures here. Let's read verse 3. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Now some people really, even Christians, think this world is a pretty good place. Well, God said it was evil. And he said that Jesus had been sent that we could be delivered from this present evil world. Not just talking about one day we're going to be delivered when we get to heaven, but that we could be delivered, that we could walk in a place that's above this world, that's, um, that we could be in the world but not of it, that we could live delivered. That, you know, more and more I'm coming to understand something I've never understood in the past, but that, um, that heaven, we, the heaven was never meant to be this major transition. It was never meant to be so different than the earth life of the born-again man. It's not supposed to be very different. If we will not have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, and if we will live according and, and, and be live out our deliverance from this present evil world. Hallelujah. First Corinthians, no, excuse me, Romans chapter 13. 
And then we'll go to 1 Corinthians. Romans 13, verse 12. Hallelujah. <coughs> Hallelujah. Now, <coughs> Paul, no, Paul wrote Romans. Yeah, he wrote Romans. I'm right. Paul wrote Romans, and he says in verse 12, the night is far spent. <laughs> if it was far spent when Paul wrote Romans, how far spent do you think it is now? It is far spent. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Cast off the works of darkness. Hallelujah. We're going to talk about tonight some of the works of darkness that we need to cast off. That the unfruitful, they say, they're unfruitful. They're unfruitful for us to have works of darkness in our lives. Hallelujah. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I think Colin did a good job this morning, don't y'all? Hallelujah. I believe he heard from heaven. You know, God told me when he was just a little feller, he, I know he's going to love this. Come on, look at me now. Don't hide. <laughs> God told me when he was just a little feller that he, had a, he was going to have a ministry like Samuel. He's going to have a ministry like Samuel. Well, I thought he was pretty prophetic this morning. Hallelujah. You know, the prophet always says black's black and white's white and there's no gray. That's, that's the, <laughs> that's right. Well, hallelujah. I said, well, God, you, you promised and what you said was true. Amen. I, well, I sought the Lord and I said, Lord, you didn't tell me anything about Eric. And he was a little bitty guy, about four or something. You hadn't told me anything about Eric. He said, he's, he's a man like Solomon. He's a man of wisdom. That's proved out through his life. He's been a man of wisdom. You can see God and ask God about your children too. And he'll tell you. And so we've prayed around those lines for their lives. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Now all of your kids are called just as much as ours are. So just find out. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Evil company, I think one translation says. You know, evil things, evil will corrupt. If we just wanted to kind of trim it down a little, evil is going to corrupt. Evil is going to bring uh, corruption or death into our lives. And so we need to be rid of anything that would have to do with evil. Deuteronomy 28, 14. If you'll go over there with me, and we'll get to kind of what we're focusing on tonight. Deuteronomy 28 is the first whole part of Deuteronomy 28, you know, is the blessings. I kind of stick to those. Don't you? I like Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 through 13. And then I always stop and say, oh, enough of that. Don't want to read. Well, I do skip over there and read uh, verse uh, uh, 61 because it has to do with the curse of the law that every sickness is the curse of the law. And Galatians 3.13 says we're redeemed from the curse of the law. So that's the only scriptures I read in Deuteronomy 28. But God called my attention to verse 14. Verse 14 says, And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. We're not to go after other gods. Well, the problem in the church is not that we want to worship Buddha or that we want to worship uh, Hare Krishna or any of those guys like that. The problem in the church is just flat sometimes ignorance. 
And, I, and Paul said, I would not have you ignorant. And tonight I'm saying to you, I, I at least want you to know what I know, and I don't want you to be ignorant. At least, if, I may not know everything, but at least you can know what I know. Amen? So we're going to talk about that tonight. I want to talk to you about uh, the things of witchcraft. This might be, could be considered my annual Halloween sermon or something. <laughs> I hate Halloween with a passion, and I don't make any bones about it. Now, I think one thing that stirred me up about this is about two weeks ago, I had to stand up. Sometimes you have to stand up. And I had to stand up in front of about 20 people who I knew, like Colin said this morning, would not understand, who I knew would shake their heads and say, well, I, you know, like we used to about Halloween, I just don't see the harm. I just don't see anything wrong about it. I just don't see anything. And you know, the half the churches don't see anything about it. Maybe probably more than that. And the, so uh, uh, <clears throat> I had to stand up, but I had signed up for this class to take this class. Well, I didn't ask what the class was going to be about. I mean, I knew I won't, and I didn't. And when I got there, I got there. Well, it was a Halloween thing. And I walk in, and they said, oh, and I was late to top it all off. So all 20 people are already sitting there, and the teacher says, here, sit right here, and here, do this and do that, and she lays the Halloween thing out there. And I'm like, okay. Oh, and I'm sitting there going, oh, Jesus, oh, uh, uh. And you know, one of the things I thought, mm, maybe I could just kind of do it but leave off all the Halloween stuff. You know, the first thing that wants to enter our mind, the devil says, why don't you compromise just a little? You know, and so I'm like, oh, dear, how, Lord, help me. Help me. I'm really under my breath thinking, help me, Lord, how do I get out of this? I've signed up for this thing. So I just called one of the ladies aside and I said, listen, I'm sorry. I didn't know this was Halloween. And I didn't say, you know, I don't believe in it. I hate it. I think everybody that does it is, you know, I didn't say that. I just said, I'm not into Halloween. I thought that was the nicest way to put it. I'm not into it, I said. I'm not into Halloween. And if you don't mind, I think I'm just going to pass tonight and I'll do something else later. And oh, and she was like, oh, fine, fine, fine. Don't worry about it. I should have told you. And she was just so nice. And we've talked since then. But you know, when I drove up, I knew because there was another lady there. The lady I said that to probably pretty much understood what I was talking about. But the other lady there, I was pretty sure wouldn't. And I knew she was going to say, well, where did Miss Debbie go? Why didn't she stay? In fact, I must have had kind of a stricken look on my face when I saw that Halloween stuff because when I walked up to the lady to tell her my excuse and I'm, she said, Miss Debbie, are you okay? So I must have had that look. like, You know, and she probably thought I was going to pass out or something. But um, anyway, so I was confronted with it and I had to stand up for it. Amen. And so um, I, I just I just thought about how, you know, there's so many people there was, that don't know. You know, I was reading in the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, reading on some stuff concerning witchcraft and so forth. And so many of the churches, the church people are into the Harry Potter thing. That bothers me. That concerns me. And so I was meditating and read this. The human soul must not become an unwalled village. We cannot exist spiritually without guards and boundaries. We need rules and standards of God's Word. Divine truth creates a wall that keeps out the enemy. We must be selective and wise in walking in this world, for it is in truth a war zone. I like that. I mean, I believe that. We must be very selective 
We've got to be very selective. We need to have our discerner turned on. In fact, I think in the church at large, even myself, we need to turn up our discerner. I think without even knowing it, we've let things creep into our homes. Even some of us who used to be a little more vigilant about it. I know when we first got filled with the Spirit night back in 1980, now before that, it was, we were blind to all of it. We were just totally blind. But once we got filled with the Spirit, it's like scales fell off of our eyes, just like Paul said. And all of a sudden, we had eyes to see. We were born again Christians, but we were blind to the truth concerning the Spirit kingdom and concerning the, the truth about angels and devils and, and so forth. And uh, so, and I, I prayed a prayer when we first got filled with the Spirit. In fact, I prayed it many times. Lord, let me be sensitive to your Spirit. Let me be discerning. And He answered that prayer. And so I was very sensitive. In fact, some people might even say and be tempted to say about me, well, she's too sensitive. And she's, she's, she's so sensitive, she's just a little bit, you know, flaky, a little bit weird. But I was so sensitive, like, I didn't want that stuff around me. And, you know, I think that we need to put our walls back up concerning the things of evil and the things of darkness. And we need to turn back on our sensitivity and ask God for a spiritual tune-up in our discernment. And because I think there's some things that have creeped into the church and creeped in even to our homes and even into our lives. And so we're going to talk about some of those things uh, <clears throat> tonight. Um, when we first got filled with the Spirit, well, uh, I think I've told this story many times to different ones of you, but I know there's probably a few that hadn't heard it, so we'll tell it for their sake. But, um, you know, I had things in my house that I couldn't see. I, I was blinded to them. For one thing, I had a huge collection of owls. I had owls everywhere, ceramic owls, porcelain owls, pictures of owls, plastic owls. I had owls. And you know, my grandmother, now she has filled the spirit, and I wasn't, and I know that she was picking up that this is not healthy. Well, in fact, I remember that, and I was Baptist, that my grandmother would drop little hints about things like that, but I was one of those justifiers. And I remember, you know, that I said, you, she, I don't remember what hint she dropped, but it was enough of a hint that I, that I thought about it. And I remember justifying it and saying, well, now, God created all the animals, and He created them all, so they must all be good. See, I reasoned it out in my carnal mind. Hallelujah. But as soon as I got filled with the Spirit, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit in me was making me feel very uncomfortable in my own house because I had this huge collection of owls. So I proceeded to get rid of them. I know one particular one was a white uh, porcelain owl, and I, it cost $50. That was a lot in 1980. It really was. It's a lot now. But uh, uh, so... Uh, my hut, we, we proceeded to throw them all, in, and I didn't sell them in the garage sale. If these things attract darkness and demonic spirits, why would I want to give them to somebody else in town? And so I didn't. I destroyed them, and I remember we took that white porcelain owl, and we put some of them in a bag, and we took a hammer, and we broke them. Not any ceremonial thing. We were just getting rid of them, destroying them. And, of course, when we threw them in our dumpster, and I didn't know that our neighbor lady went through the dumpster all the time. Well, the rumor in our little town, 2,500 people, got out. Debbie broke all her wedding china. <laughs> 
Well, Pam was at my house this past week. She helped me do some cleaning, and we cleaned my wedding china. That was not true. I did not break I still have my wedding china. I didn't break it. But I had broke enough owls, I guess, that it looked like. I had broke off. Well, of course, those same people had given me all that wedding china. So that was just fuel for the fire, you know. And so that was one of the things God led me. Well, now you can't find in the Word, don't have owls. So that's where your sensitivity, your turner-owner, you know, your discernment your, uh, to the Holy Spirit has to kick in. But there's some things that we even find in the Word that we're not supposed to have in our houses. Amen? Well, another thing, and, and uh, <clears throat> I wish there were some other people here tonight, a whole bunch of people. I wish the place was full. We, my husband and I, we threw because, you know, because of our relatives... We were in, uh, he was a Mason, and I was in the Eastern Star. Now this ought to, you know, in Masons, women cannot be Masons, but men can be an Eastern Star if they have a mother or daughter or sister or wife in Eastern Star. That I'll tell you right there, it's the devil. They don't let women in their part, but, you know. <laughs> anyway, and we were in this organization, and we were in it because my grandmother and grandfather had been in it. My daddy was a Mason. I had a real favorite aunt and uncle who were big in Mason and Eastern Star. So, you know, when we got old enough, we just naturally wanted to follow in their footsteps. Well, my grandmother, though, meantime, had got filled with the Spirit and already figured out this is not good. This is not God. Well, she, so in Eastern Star, and see, Eastern Star and Mason looks spiritual. I know the five heroines of Eastern Star are Ada, Ruth, Martha, Martha, Esther, and Electa. Well, you know Ada, the son Jephthah's daughter, Ruth, Martha, y'all know who they are, Esther, and then y'all probably don't know who Electa is because she's not really, she's in the Bible except that she's in Third John, the elect lady of Third John. So that's the five heroines of Eastern Star, and you have to work your way, and you stand in those offices, so to speak. It's such a corruption because it's it's uh, it it takes the word things of God and uh, and models after them, but it's a powerless, bloodless religion. It really is. And they ask you before you get in. They don't ask you, do you believe in Jesus? They say, do you believe in the existence of a supreme being? Well, that could be anything. That could be some cow you worship, you know. So anyway, they ask. And so you work your way up, and finally you get to be the president of Eastern Star, and they call her the worthy matron. Now when you get to be worthy matron, you, you get to pick out the dresses and the form. And we wore formals, and you pick the pattern out and the fabric, and everybody that's going to be an officer that year has to have a dress alike, and you have this big production, and, and you can invite people that aren't in Eastern Star and in Masons to your installation. And so I invited all my family, and, and my grandmother, she's filled the spirit, so she's having qualms about this. But, you know, and so she said a little bit, but, you know, I reasoned it out in my mind, you know, that it was okay. We sang, you know, at my installation, we sang spiritual songs. I picked out the songs. We sang Just a Closer Walk with Thee. We sang all, we did all the right things, but the only thing is you can't put God's stuff over the devil's stuff and make it good stuff, you know? And so I got filled with the Spirit. And as soon as I got filled with the Spirit, I could see it. Now, I was already not worthy matron, thank God. I'd passed through that year. But all of a sudden, I can see it. And it's like, oh, dear. 
See, it's not always popular, as Colin said, to follow God, obey God. And in a town of 2,500 people, who, and in a little, you know, even though the roots of Masonic and, and Eastern Star are demonic, the people in it usually all came from First Baptist, I'll just tell you. In our little town, they were all straight out of First Baptist Church. Because the Church of Christ, for some reason, do not like Masonic Lodge. Rightfully so. But they, I don't know what they tell their people, but their people steer around Masonic Lodge. And so we had a big crew of good Baptist ladies and a few nice Methodists and Presbyterians thrown in to boot. And, uh, and sweet folks, I mean good folk. And like Pastor said the other day, they do, a, they do a good work. I mean, the money that they earn goes to charity and so forth. Burn, uh, a fabulous burn hospital in Dallas that is totally free if you have to go to it. If your children have to go to the Shriners Burn Hospital, you don't pay for nothing. I mean, they do. I mean, it, this, nobody could argue that that's a good thing. Have the best doctors for burns in the whole United States. They send people from all over the United States to the Shriners Burn Hospital in Dallas. And so... Um, um, you know, um, so, it, so it's cloaked in, 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 it's deceptive, isn't it? It's cloaked in things, but God, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost began to show me. So I got to get out of this. And it's not easy getting out because if you just quit paying your dues, they just, they keep you on the roll. And, and you know, so just quit paying your dues don't work. No, you got to make an issue. You got to make a, you know, to get renounced out of it, you've got to go and it don't, it's not, you can't just disappear. And I'm, so I'm having to do this. And my friends are there. And I, and I had one friend I still have. I mean, I don't still have her. She died this year, but uh, she was like 99. She died this year at 99. But she's still my friend. She's my friend. I met her in there, and she's still my friend when I left. Uh, Eastern Star. But I had to get out of it because there was a conflict there. It was an unfruitful work of darkness. Cloaked in a lot of Christian stuff, cloaked with some good people in there, but it was an unfruitful work of darkness. So I took my Eastern Star plate that they had given me when I was installed, and I broke it. And I took a beautiful lucite gavel that had a rose embedded in it. And my husband, you know, how do you break a lucite gavel? So my husband took it to the farm and ground it down on the grinder. And we renounced all things to do with the enemy. Amen. We renounced it. We repented. We asked God to forgive us for our ignorance. And we repented and we renounced it. Said we'll never have anything else to do with it. My husband burned his Masonic apron. Hallelujah. And we, so we, we don't have anything to do with it. Hallelujah. So <clears throat> there was a lot of things like that. I know Colin had uh, toys that I cleaned out. He was a toddler. But we got rid of toys. A lot of toys. Now, I mean, he was the most spoiled child that ever was as far as having what he had. And so he was not, I don't want y'all to think he was so deprived. You know, he had to play with little sticks and rocks out in the backyard. <laughs> no, we had plenty. Even after we got rid of the bad ones, we had plenty left over to play with. And so, um, uh, you know, there was things we had to make choices of. And, you know, our families all just shook their heads. And, you know, Debbie and Michael, they're just off the deep end. And, you know, <clears throat> plus we were getting out of farming. I mean, we were going to pastor a church. I mean, there was just so many choices that we were making and that were in conflict. And then after all of that, we took a kid, we took Colin when he was in the fourth grade out of, out of, Christ, out of public school and put him in Christian school with teachers that didn't even have degrees. But, I mean... 
God, but we didn't just do it because we thought this would be a good idea. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I sat on it two weeks. And then I went and told Pastor, I think the Holy Spirit's saying, he said, I got that too. And I mean, we had, we knew we were supposed to put him in Christian school. So, you know, the family's just like, oh my goodness. You know, and then about, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe it was two years later, the, that Christian school quit. So we started our own Christian school in our church and our family's just like, oh my you know, here they go again. And they didn't understand. And they didn't see it. Well, you know, just sometimes you get justified. My, my dad told me last time he was here, he said, you know, we always thought y'all was too hard on Colin and Eric. We just never really agreed with y'all. But we sure do like, we sure do think they turned out good. We sure are proud. Y'all must have been right. Well, I don't say we were right. Maybe we were too hard on them in some areas. But, hallelujah. If we'd have done it their way, they'd have been nigh on to heathen. I can tell you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because I, I know, because I've got other kinfolks that we, we could prove that by. So turn to, turn to Second Chronicles chapter 33. Let's look at some things that the Word of God tells us that we're to stay away from and that we're not to have anything to do with. You know, we sang, I exalt thee, O Lord. Well, we can't exalt him out of one side of our mouth and have uh, socialized with unfruitful works of darkness out of the other side of our mouth. We can't come, oh, praise the Lord. Heal me, Jesus. Deliver me, Lord. And go home and have a pet, pet God we play with, whether it be through ignorance or, or whether it be deliberately, and usually it's always through ignorance. Second, in the church I'm talking about, ignorance. People that uh, play with, around with Harry Potter books, they're deceived. They're blinded. They don't see it. Well, I think we ought to stand up. I, I mean, it grieves my heart when I hear about Christian parents who know and don't like it, but don't stand up to public school teachers and say no. Now, is it popular? No. Are they going to talk about you at the school? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not going to be popular. See, you bring them under conviction, especially if they're Christians, by your stand for Christ, it brings them under conviction. So they don't like it. And they'll persecute you. But does that mean we're not supposed to do it? Family, what? The, the churches in other countries are being persecuted. They're being persecuted. They're having guns put to their head. I like the Nora Lamb story. Y'all know about her. I mean, they put her under, by, uh, they stood her up in front of a firing squad. And we don't want to stand up so a little teacher down at some little elementary school in this town won't gossip about us. And, or they'll think we're fanatical. I wish we could get some fanatical Christians in the world. I'm not talking about those kind that blow up abortion clinics that's an unfruitful work of darkness i'm not talking about uh, that, that stand on the street corner and rant and rave and preaching that's not preaching that's demonic not all street corner preaching is like that but you know i'm thinking of that little boy i think he was from kentucky i mean that kid had a demon somebody need to cast it out of him and he'd stand and scream at the school and Preach, and you're going to hell, you're going to burn in hell. Supposed preaching, I don't know, that's a few years ago. Y'all are looking at me funny, so y'all didn't hear that. Hallelujah, I think he's from Kentucky. We don't have to 
And people like that are not from Alabama, are they? No, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, where am I? Second Chronicles 33, verse 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem, but did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, likened to the abominations of the heathen, where the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down, and he reared up altars for Balaam, and made groves, and worshipped all the host of heaven, and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever and he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord and he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the sons of Hinnom also and this is the part we want to get to he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with a familiar spirit and with wizards and he brought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger he he did a lot of stuff and he was having to do with a lot of stuff that God doesn't like. And God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If He didn't like it in Second Chronicles, today either. Now just because He's not striking with fire like He did in the Old Testament, and He's not doing the things that, you know, He's not sending plagues like He did because we are in a season of grace, that does not, or an era of grace, or however you want to call it, a dispensation of grace, we does not mean He likes it any better. He does not like it. Um, it says he observes seasons. He practiced magic. He uh, it, Does it use the word um, enchantments? An enchanter is a soothsayer, a sorcerer. He used enchantment. That means to whisper a magic spell. I looked all this up in the Strong's Concordance where I found it out. A familiar spirit. A familiar spirit is a demon or it could be a ghost. It's a necromancer, someone who communicates with the dead. A ventriloquist. That means someone who throws their voice. This is how deceived the church is, is we have ventriloquists in the church that literally throw their voice. In fact, one of our kinfolks, uh, I don't know if Colin and Eric know this, but they, one younger than them, one of the cousins, one of the Billings cousins, not the Newcomb side. Newcomb side would never do anything like that. <laughs> no, we did worse, I'm sure. But anyway, the Billings side, uh, they went to ventriloquism school to learn to throw your voice. Now, that's why when we do puppets, like Willie George does puppets, we don't try to do it without them seeing our lips. We move the puppet's lips, but we let them see our lips, that we're doing the talking. Why? Because we don't want to throw our voice. Because that's demonic, that's witchcraft, that's satanic. <clears throat> then it says wizard. A wizard is a knowing one, a conjurer, or a ghost. In the, this is what the Strong's says that word means evil. He says they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Evil means adversity, affliction. See, these are things that that are evil, calamity, displeased, distress, ill favor, harm, heavy hurt, mischief, not pleased, sad, sore, or sorrow. We wonder in the church why we have afflictions. Why sometimes we have distress, why we're not in favor with God and we don't have favor in our lives if we've involved ourselves with anything like this, whether ignorantly or purposefully, well then we need to get rid of it. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Hallelujah. Are we getting very far? Not very far. Fast. Hallelujah. Based on the time. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 says, Be not unequally yoked 
with, together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And this last part, what communion hath light with darkness? You know, family, you're light. The Bible calls you light. The Bible says you're the light of the world. What, what business or what communion does light have with darkness? I think it tickles the devil pink or red. <laughs> it tinkles him to a deep shade of pink that's nearly red. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with y'all now. It tickles him when Christians play around with demonic things. Like I did when I was a little Christian with no understanding. You know, even yesterday, when, you know, I told you I had a big cleaning out party. Well, I had a charm bracelet when I was in high school and junior high, and I've often wondered, I just kicked myself. That was a sterling silver charm bracelet. And you know, they came back in style. And so I'm like, well, why did I throw my charm bracelet away? Well, I found it in the attic, and it was tarnished to high heaven. But, you know, I found a couple of things on it that I thought, I don't want that on there. Just the stuff I was going to preach on tonight, I found those things in my attic. One was a, a, a horseshoe with a little uh, four-leaf clover on it which we don't believe in good luck. I mean, we don't need it. We have blessings and we don't have luck. Hallelujah. And the other was a phoenix. That's demonic. That's devilish. So I just ripped them off, threw them away. Amen. Glory to God. Well, y'all were wanting to know that. <coughs> you just didn't know it. Galatians 5.20. Amen. Well, you need to have a cleaning out every once in a while. Amen. Let the Lord lead you. Galatians 5.20 Now the works of the flesh, verse 19, are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. Witchcraft is a work of the flesh. So we shouldn't be having any... We don't want a work of the flesh, do we? Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. This is kind of Bible drill night. But I don't want you to think this is just something that Miss Debbie thought of. Matthew 12, 30. <clears throat> he that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. You know, it's, there's no black, I mean, there's black and there's white, but there's no gray. Just like we talked about this morning. If we're not for him, we're against him. If we're not working with, me, we're working with him, we're working against him. We need to find out from the Holy Spirit how we need to handle some things like Halloween. I can't tell you, oh, don't send your kid to school. Now, what I did, I'll tell you what I did. When Colin was in public school, it was easy when he was in Christian school because we just didn't do it. But when he was in public school, I didn't let him go to school the day of the Halloween party. I took him to somewhere else. I took him, and you know, the teacher always went, oh, I just hate he missed the party. I just didn't say anything. Like, oh, yeah, too bad, you know, or something. You know, I didn't say it like that, smart alecky, but I said, yeah, that's too bad, you know. But I just took him somewhere. We just took him to Lubbock to Chuck E. Cheese or something. Took him and bought him toys and, you know, spoiled him and loved him, but didn't, just didn't participate. That's how we handled it. But you've got to be led by the Spirit. Now, so I'm on the wrong side. These people don't have kids. Let me get over on this. <laughs> uh, no, you've got to be led by the Spirit how you're going to handle it. Amen? But one thing for sure, you can't compromise with it. You may handle it different. I don't even think, I man, if your kid went and, you know, but it mixes the child up. I mean, it may, if you let them go and they're like, well, Halloween, well, we don't do that. Well, I did, though. You know, we got we to gotta teach them. You got to teach your children. You got to teach your children. 
You don't just go into their room and start throwing away toys. No, you teach them. You take them. When they're, now, if they're toddlers and they don't know, just let toys disappear in the middle of the night. And they say, well, where's my... Say, well, it, it, we, 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 got, we gave it to Jesus or something. I don't know what you want to say. I can't think what you want to say. I mean, when I'm not advocating lying or anything. I'm just saying, you know, you can figure this out. But I'm just saying, you don't have to... Don't try to explain it to a two-year-old. But if you have, a, you know, school-age children, we can teach them what things are not right and what things aren't godly. And we can begin to and have them get rid of them, have them commit themselves to God. And not giving them a choice, not, well, would you like to give your little demon figurine? Not giving them a choice, but saying, you know, this is right. This is what we need to do. Can you do that? You know, but helping them. And teaching them. And kids are very teachable. I will tell you also this, and I was going to read from this book. I don't know if I'll get to it tonight. If I don't, maybe I'll get to it another night. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> but and I know this to be true. Children are more sensitive to the spirit realm than adults are. And children see demons and see angels on a more regular basis than adults do. I know even Colin, as a small child, saw a demon or a ghost. You know, he was doing something he knew he shouldn't do. I'll tell him on, tell on him on this. We rarely let our children spend the night with anybody else. One of those things where we were too hard on them. But, I mean, according to everybody else. But listen, family, you ought to really know the people before you let people, your kids, spend the night with them. I know we even had a family in our church in West Texas that were always saying, can Colin come over and spend the night? And you know, they were coming to our church. They were faithful. The mother was a teacher in our school. She was a good teacher. I loved her. I thought highly of her. But I had a check in my heart about her husband. I had something in my heart that just said, Colin being at that place with her husband, that wouldn't be a good idea. So, you know, it's not very comfortable to always have an excuse. No, not tonight. You know, it's not comfortable, but you got to do what. So they didn't spend the night with very many people their whole life. They didn't get to have very many people over. Not many people could qualify. But one time I let Colin spend the night with a little boy across the street. And they, I don't even guess they were Christians, were they? Well, if they were, they were, I think they went to first prayers. And they, I don't think they went there often. But anyway, so they snuck out of the house in the middle of the night. They was probably fourth graders or something, third or fourth grade. They snuck out of the house in the middle of the night, went in down, going down the alley. Y'all don't know what alleys are here. Does anybody here know what an alley is? Y'all do? I hadn't seen one since I've been to Alabama. Is there any alleys here? We used to, we had, every neighborhood had an alley. Well, they got in the alley. And uh, <clears throat> so they see some sort of apparition in the middle of the night. I don't know all the details. And he didn't tell me. He didn't come home and tell me. He waited till he was grown <laughs> to tell me. And, and it, hallelujah. But see, children see. Children see into the spirit realm. So we need to make sure the atmosphere that our children live in is a good atmosphere, don't we? So uh, where were we? Did I have you turn anywhere? Are y'all? Did we read Matthew twelve? We did. Uh, turn to Acts sixteen sixteen. We ought to teach our children at a young age that these things of witchcraft are wrong. I know when I was a child, I went to a slumber party. Well, I went to a lot of slumber parties as a child and as a teenager, and you know, just through ignorance and just through boredom, 
we just, and you know, somebody had heard somewhere about levitation. So we just thought we'd give it a try. And so guess what? I mean, we didn't know anything. We didn't know how to do it. We just thought, well, hey, we ought to try that. We heard something about that. And guess what? We did it, and guess what? It worked. But, you know, we didn't get real. I don't think we ever did it again. I mean, we, didn't, we weren't hooked or anything on it. But, you know, we ought to teach our kids. Don't leave your children in ignorance. At least tell them what you know. You may not know everything, but they ought to know everything you know that, that pertains to their age group. Hallelujah. Well, <clears throat> that was a foolish thing to do, to play around with the devil. I know the next-door neighbor boy. When I was growing up, I grew up, I was an only child. I grew up next to a boy that was the only child. He was a year older than me. Well, I think he had a devil. I mean, he had a temper like one. I'm telling you, he, was, he had a temper, and he was disobedient. I was very obedient. Because my daddy had the fear of God in me. Not literally of God, fear of Him. I mean, he had the fear. Of, he Somehow he put it on me that it was like, and I don't know, but I just walked the line, I can tell you. And, uh, but Doug didn't. Doug, he, was, he argued, he sassed his parents. He threw wrenches and knocked holes and stuff. And so I got a good demonstration from him all the time of a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have got. But uh, anyway... Uh, he had a Ouija board. So periodically, because we played together, uh, us and all the other neighborhood kids, we played every day together. Every night we played. Outside, every evening we played out in the front yard, played in the grass. You could sit in the grass out there, actually, without getting chiggers all over you. we sit out in the grass and play, and we played with that. Well, it was foolish. It was foolish. I know I was reading in this book about, uh, this is called uh, Spiritual House Cleaning by Eddie and Alice Smith. And after I got this message, I was... <clears throat> listening to Alice Smith on some prayer tapes that Jean gave me and um, and then listened to her on 700 Club about a week ago. She was on there and talking about this book, actually. So um, anyway, she talks about in there how some people used the Ouija board and asked some questions, came to church the next night, came up and told her. And they said, well, you know, they asked the question, I believe they said, uh, oh, well, let me get this right, it's a... Uh, what's your name or something, and he said death. And who, who, where do you come from? And the Ouija board spelt out Satan. And then he, they said, well, what, how far can you go? And he spelled out, the Ouija board did, as far as the blood. As far as the blood. And uh, hallelujah, he can't go past the blood. We're covered in the blood. Amen. And we need to stay covered, and we need to keep our kids covered. But we need to turn our discerners on and see if we've letting anything come in or we're letting anything be in our presence that is not um, <clears throat> that would attract the works of darkness that we don't give any place to the devil <clears throat> Acts 16 are you there verse 16 hallelujah and it came to pass as he went to prayer a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying and the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. Now I want you to notice there how these unfruitful works of darkness, how this divination, this soothsaying, is clothed in religion and seemingly good things. They're walking around after Paul saying, These are men of God. Listen to them. Uh, they show, they're showing us the way of salvation. That's what the demons are saying. 
They're hiding themselves under a cloak of religion. And then it says in verse 18, And this did she many days. But Paul being grieved. See, he's picking up on in the, the Spirit. And he's, he's discerning in his Spirit. He's grieved in his Spirit. And he turns and he said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Well, then there was persecution because her... Or her client, her her owners, or she was a slave girl, were not able to use her for profit to to practice divination any longer. That word possessed there says she was possessed means to hold, to accompany, to keep, to reign. With a spirit, the word with a spirit means a current of air, a demon, a ghost. See, sometimes people think, well, ghosts they're nothing. You know, we I grew up, did you, with Casper the friendly ghost. I had Casper, the friendly ghost. We, but there's not a friendly ghost. He may act friendly, but he came from the devil. And then it means divination is, comes from the root word of python, which no is, has to do with Satan. Soothsaying there, that word means a prophet who raves through supposed inspiration. And that's what she is doing. She was just raving. When you hear raving, just ranting and raving, you ought to wonder what spirit's behind that. Utter To utter spells, foretelling, fortune-telling. Over in Exodus chapter 22, verse 18, you don't have to turn there unless you're quick, because I'm already there. It says, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Well, you know, in, in recent days, even in the... Since America, they've killed witches in Salem, Massachusetts. Winston-Salem, is that it? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. My kids make fun of me how I say that. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, but I don't think God's not telling us anymore to kill them. But He did in the Old Testament to kill witches. But one thing He's telling us is don't have anything to do with them. Well, we would, why would you dress your little kid up as a witch? Why would you take your little kid to a Halloween carnival and let them, and where there were witches present? Why would you hang a witch on your front door? You wouldn't as a Christian, would you? Now, we can't do much about our neighbors. I know our neighbors, well, I don't want to go into that. But they got some symbols stuck on their house. And I'm not talking about Halloween. I'm talking about year-round symbols that are demonic. But I'm drawing a bloodline around my house. You better draw a bloodline because your neighbors may not have their symbols hung on the outside of their house like mine do, but they may have them going on on the inside of their house. My Lord, they may be pornographers. They may be child molesters. They, you don't know what's going on inside. They may be wife beaters. Hallelujah. Not hallelujah that they are, but, <laughs> but hallelujah. Hallelujah. It could happen. You better draw a bloodline around your property. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, turn to Deuteronomy 18, verse 20. Well, we'll just get the whole load tonight. I'm so glad I've been redeemed. I'm so glad I don't live with unfruitful works of darkness anymore. In 18, Deuteronomy 18, verse 10. There shall not be found among you, among you, church, anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. Now, well, you know, they would... Uh, they would burn their children, dedicating them to false gods. Or that useth divination. Or an observer of times. That would be someone in our day, we could translate that, that was into astrology and their astrological signs. And they was reading the, uh, the what do you call that? Horoscope. They was reading their horoscope. 
all the time, or an enchanter, or a witch. There shall not be found among you these things. Um, I want to turn to Revelation 9. I'm going to skip a lot because I think y'all are quick learners. I don't think we have to read every scripture in the Bible that talks about witchcraft, although I think I wrote all of them down. But Revelation 9, I want to just show a little another part of, that has to do with witchcraft. Revelation 9 verse 21 says, um, Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. And that word there, sorceries, is the English word pharmacy, or using drugs. It means using drugs to get a high, or to, or to get into another realm, or to get into a trance. The using of drugs, whether they be a prescription or whether they be illegal drugs, the using of drugs to get into another realm, to get into a trance, is, wit, is, the, is from, is, is, has to do with witchcraft. And a lot of times those things will, you'll see they'll all flow together. Revelation 21.8 refers to it again. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death. That word again being the word English word pharmacy or having to do with drugs, sorcery, having to do with witchcraft. There ain't going to be any witchcraft witches in heaven unless they have repented, renounced it, and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord, which we know many that have. Remember, Mike Warnke, for one, was a witch, a male witch. Uh, Revelation twenty two fifteen. <clears throat> for without, uh, for without are dogs and sorcerers. Verse fourteen. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whoever loveth and maketh a lie. And so we see there that same English word for sorcery is pharmacy. So that's uh, that's interesting. Uh, some of the things I want to give you from Nelson's Bible Dictionary, and we're winding down here. We're letting them have time to do their little craft. But uh, Nelson's Bible Dictionary, to do with witchcraft, things that maybe you know or don't know, poisons, magical herbs. And you know a lot of people put too much faith in herbs. They're going down to the health food store and putting their faith in that instead of the Word of God. Not that they're practicing witchcraft, but they're bordering on looking to herbs for their life and their health and their healing versus, you know, looking to God. Drugs or substances supposed to have magical powers. You know, love potion number nine. For those of you that remember back that long to the, go, the oldies. Familiar spirits. Also another word in the, that if you look out from the root are gnomes. Or even our town, we you know Druid City. If we could pray that out. It's not very glorifying to God. Those who, it, it, familiar spirits literally means those who can transform into any shape. I remember on uh, Colin's tape, he talked about the witch doctor that confronted uh, Gary Crowell and then turned into a bird and flew away. And you didn't know that could happen, huh? And see, so many times we mess around with movies thinking, oh, this is just play stuff. But it's not play. It's not play. Broomstick sailing. You know, we thought that was just something fun, that witches ride on brooms. 
going through keyholes, inflicting diseases upon mankind and cattle. Lucky and unlucky days. Drugs and fumigations, you know, sniffing things to get a high. And you know, do they do that anymore? They still do that? Mm. Uh, witches, someone who has formed a compact with the devil or evil spirits by whose aid she is able to cause all sorts of injury to living beings and things. The witch of Endor, remember that uh, in the Old Testament, Saul consulted the witch of Endor? That was literally a woman who is a mistress of a ghost. Ghosts actually performing sexual acts with women. Listen, I'm not trying to be weird here and I'm not, but you know, sometimes we just think it's play, but there's lots more going on out there than you can think of. I know Colin mentioned uh, Lester Summerall encountering the little girl that was, they had her in a, like a mental hospital chained and that uh, demons were biting her and scratching her. Conjuring spells, charms, casting spells to bind, tying a magic knot, consulting mediums, to conduct a seance and bring up a spirit, to contact familiar spirits, ventriloquism, wizard, someone very wise or inventive. Very, you know, we think, oh, he's just a math wizard. In other words, he's just really good at math. But there's more to it than that. Uh, in the Bible, it means black magic, a fortune teller. And, you know, we put a little wizard hat on Mickey and think that's cute. That's one of the things that you see in a lot of Disney is the little wizard hat on Mickey. Uh, Calling up the dead, that is necromancy. Did you know, I see this a lot of times, if you ever watch uh, on TV, uh, like, uh, what's that show? Um, help me now. It, it's, uh, it's, well, huh? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> But anyway, it's people that have died and seen over into the, the other side and, and, you know, they've seen the bright lights and, you know, and the bright light and all that. You know, and they'll have shows about that, about phenomena like that. And some of it's not bad. Some of it's good stuff, huh? Yeah, some shows like that. I don't think that's the one I was thinking of. But anyway, uh, shows like that. But a lot of times you'll hear people say, uh, and I've heard Christians say this, like, you know, my, my mom died and, and she's been gone and, and, you know, I was having a hard time and I just knew my mom was with me. You know, I was in a hard time and even though my mom's in heaven, I knew she is with me. And, you know, I, I knew, I, I nearly had a car accident, but I knew my mom was protecting me. I knew my mom was with me. And maybe they even heard a voice, and you know, instead of, and you know, it was really the Holy Ghost. But just through their ignorance, they say, well, I knew it was my mom. But I'm telling you, family, if you see somebody from the dead, you ought to tell it, get out of here in the name of Jesus. Because they aren't coming back. They're not coming back to help you. The Holy Ghost is here to help you. Jesus is here to help you. Angels are here to help you. But those that have passed over to the other side, they're not coming back here to help you. And if you hear their voices or you see them, you tell it to get out of your presence in Jesus' name. Even though it may be posing as an angel of light, it's demonic. And it's there to snare you, to entrap you, to get you to have another God, to get you to rely on something besides Jesus. And I, I hear Christians talk about that. I hear Christians say that. I just knew my mom was taking care of me. I just knew she was with me. 
there's a little thing going around. I believe it's in Dear Abby that they talk about it. That if you find a penny, they got this little superstition going on all over the world, that if you find a penny, it's somebody that was dead, gone on leaving it to you to remind you to be encouraged that day or something like that. You know, I don't know, just a bunch of silly stuff. But we not, ought not to have anything to do with that. We don't have anything to do with the dead uh, or calling up the dead. Uh, infant baptism. Now, I might get on some of you here. I, I won't tell you if you were baptized as an infant, the roots of that are paganism. Because in the, and, and if you were baptized as an infant, I'd, re, I'd renounce it. Because the, the, they used to, they believed in the Middle Ages. They believed that uh, infants were, were uh, well, let me just read it. The practice of infant baptism began in the medieval church because babies were thought to be under Satan's dominion until exercised or baptized. Well, we baptize them, we're baptizing them in Tuscaloosa by the dozens. Well, that don't do nothing. It's, it's nothing. It's demonic. It's a demonic practice. And it's a false comfort. And it's a false, like my baby's going to, your baby's alive unto God. But there's a false comfort when you get up and got a 10-year-old. Well, they're fine. They're fine because they were baptized as an infant. You better get them saved or they'll bust hell wide open. I don't know if it's 10. I don't think there's a certain age for accountability. I don't think, we used to think it was 12. You, you all of a sudden became accountable at 12. I don't I think it's different for every child. I think you better be led by the Spirit and get your kids saved. I know we had a little kid in this church a few years ago, and this little kid was about four or five, four, I think. And he just started acting like the devil. And he'd been a pretty good little kid, but all of a sudden he started acting like the devil. And his mother said, well, you know, pray with me about this little kid. He's just acting like the devil. He was actually her stepson. And so I was just praying about it, and the Holy Ghost showed me she needs to get him saved. It was time to get him saved. And so you know what she did? She just made a time and made a, a, a situation and led him to the Lord. And guess what? He started acting saved instead of like the devil. So we ought to be led by the Spirit, shouldn't we? Hallelujah. Well, it's 7.30. Glory to God. <clears throat> I don't want to go. I'm going to just real quickly. Oh, I don't know. Lord, do I do this quickly? I hate to do quickly things, don't you? And I know you need to go. Mm. I'm led by the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. I wanted to tell you some things, some symptoms. I wanted to read to you some symptoms of spiritual pollution. And I wanted to read to you, I was going to just read to you what they say in their book of one other thing, and I'll tell you, that'll get you. Sources of defilement. Where defilement can come from. Things that you could have in your possession that you might not even know. Things related to heathen worship. Voodoo dolls, spirit masks, snakes, dragons, thunderbirds, phoenixes. You know, I know my mom, she lives out. She don't live there, but she has a vacation home in New Mexico. Well, they all decorate out there with, the, with Indian stuff. I just hate it. Why? Because it just all has its roots in witchcraft. Kachina dolls and all that kind of stuff. They're demonic. We ought not to have those things. Well, praise God, we don't have many people out here that do that. Decorate like that's not popular out here like it is there. But I'm telling you, everybody, let's stand up together. We shouldn't have.